Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Jim Garrity is out today, as you know, but we are very fortunate to have with us Scott Bertram, General Manager of WRFH 101.7 on the Hillsdale campus, Radio Free Hillsdale. He's also a lecturer in journalism at uh, Hillsdale College, and he's the host of the Radio Free Hillsdale Hour podcast and the Political Beats podcast. Uh, So, Scott, always good to have you with us. Thanks for your time today. Greg, a pleasure to be here and ready to go. All right. All right. Uh, Well, Scott and I, of course, are uh, Chicago sports fans. We differ on baseball. We're the same on football. And so as we lick the wounds of a difficult baseball season, Scott especially, since the expectations were higher, uh, I don't know if we're cautiously optimistic about the Bears because they're 2-1. and They haven't looked good, but they still have two wins, which is, I'll take them, because usually by this point of the year, we're, we're already looking at draft picks. So I don't know where you stand on that, but hope springs eternal, as long as we beat the Jets. Uh, a win's a win, but it's just not a playoff team. And uh, the, the longer they act like a playoff team, probably the worse it is. <laughs> because <laughs> the, the talent level on this team is such that you need the top 10 draft pick next year. And if they go 7-10 and 10 or whatever... Uh, they'll be right near the middle once again. That's not the best place to be. Most important thing this year is finding out if you have your quarterback or not. And um, I am unsure about that, considering what we've seen from Justin Fields so far. Yeah, your tweets your tweets on Sunday were not encouraging. I didn't actually get to see the game. But uh, hopefully, hopefully I can just get better every week. So uh, let's talk about our good martini. And, of course, one of the big stories that we're going to be looking at for the next few days here is Hurricane Ian. Expected to make landfall in Florida later today. The last wind speeds from the National Hurricane Center showed it was just shy of a Category 5. So what it will be when it makes landfall, I don't know. But with Florida's very low uh, sea level uh, elevations, it's going to be ugly probably with the storm surge and and, and damage beyond. So please don't do anything crazy. Please uh, do what it takes to to keep yourself safe. But as we talked about yesterday, uh, the politicization of the hurricane uh, continues unabated. The left desperately looking for ways to make Ron DeSantis look like a failure. And of course, because they finally have a hurricane to talk about this year, it's been a very quiet season up until now, uh, they've got to make this the result of climate change, which Don Lemon dutifully tried to do on CNN yesterday as he was talking to Jamie Rome, the acting director of the National Hurricane Center. The only problem for Don Lemon was is that Jamie Rome not having any of it. Here's a couple of the clips. Tell us what this is and what effect the climate change has on this phenomenon. Well, we can come back and talk about climate change at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. Uh, so listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what, what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. Okay. Well, they, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int- intensify. I grew up there. I love that little dime dropped at the end there. Yeah, something's caused it to intensify. It's late in summer, early fall. The water's still really warm in the Gulf of Mexico, and that that makes these things more powerful. It's not like we've never seen a Cat 4 or a strong Cat 3, maybe even one that was Cat 5 before making landfall in the Gulf. But, uh, Scott, the CNN and, and the left can't help it. This has to be climate change, or else they can only talk about people's lives being at stake. We have to talk about climate change. Greg, we trust the signs. 
unless the sign says something that doesn't fit the narrative. And then, well, we trust our personal beliefs. That That's as important as science in this particular case. Um, and it, it, it is in some way, Don Lemon saying, I, I grew up there. I, I know better than you, Mr. Hurricane Expert. I'm a CNN anchor. Um, CNN trying to change things, right? Don Lemon's going to mornings. Already is. I don't watch enough to know if he's already shifted that. <laughs> I don't know uh, either. <laughs> Chris Licht is trying to tr- trying to reshape the network. Jake Tapper is going to prime time. They have an uphill climb to convince people to return or try them for the first time, uh, considering how deep the uh, how deep the rot goes in terms of anchors and reporters who are so used to now five six years worth of appealing to the the left and, and viewers who want uh, the, the constant talk about Donald Trump and climate change and gun control and whatever the liberal uh, topic of the day happens to be. And in this case, of course, the expert actually won't agree with the topic and theme of the day. And thus, well, Don Lemon becomes your hurricane expert. <laughs> yes. The fact that this keeps happening to them, I know there's a famous clip from the co-founder of the Weather Channel was out there a few years ago. He's passed away now uh, where he was, I think, ripping Brian Stelter a new one about climate change and the left's media narrative that they just have to try and uh, advance. But uh, stubborn thing, those facts. But uh, the the left usually doesn't let this get, get in the way of a good story. There's also no acknowledgement or even semi-celebration when things go well. It's been a really <laughs> quiet hurricane season. Uh, this is the first one that that's uh, a major hurricane that's going to you know affect U.S. land or make a U.S. landfall. So despite predictions of a very active season with four or five major hurricanes making it, it hasn't been that way. You, it's okay to say, hey, things have been going pretty well so far. But again, if you acknowledge that fact, it's not some sort of one-way path straight into the danger of climate change. It's something else altogether. Well, as we mentioned yesterday, Scott, it's you know only a matter of time until we don't have to deal with these as, at all because, as Amy Klobuchar told us yesterday, we've passed the Inflation Reduction Act. So hurricanes, we're not going to have to we've worry about We've saved the planet. <laughs> they have saved the planet, Greg. Unbelievable. All right, on to our crazy now. We're going to save the bad for the last one today, but uh, we're going to shift to crazy because it still deals with the whole uh, climate change movement. And this is news coming to us uh, from Australia where uh, a New Zealand teenager named Izzy Cook, uh, she sparked a, a movement called School Strike for Climate. I love how young people, no matter what their cause is now, the, the key is to get out of school. <laughs> skip school. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, but, it's incredible how they're able to, to, to garner the, uh, the support of their classmates with a <laughs> policy position like don't go to school. That's right. You know, back in the '80s and '90s, you just didn't go. But now you gotta, you do, you still have to go. Then you have to do the walkout, make sure the TV cameras are there. It's all very complicated. If you want to skip, just, just skip. But anyway, she's doing an interview on an outfit called News Talk ZB with host Heather Duplessis Allen. And so uh, Izzy's talking about how you really need to have a good reason to, to engage in air travel at this point. You can't just you can't just be flying all over the place because you want to. You got to have an acceptable reason to do it. And so uh, that's when the conversation really went off the rails for Izzy Cook. So we would have to apply to have like approved events to be able to fly for. Well, that's one thing that you could look at doing. Am I allowed to go to Fiji? Is that necessary? In the current climate crisis, I don't think that that's necessary. When was the last time you were on a plane? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe a few months ago, to be honest. Where'd you go? 
AJ. Izzy. <laughs> Izzy. Don't you care about the climate, Izzy? Of course I care about the climate. Not enough. You went to... <laughs> you went to Fiji. <laughs> Izzy. Come on, Maze. Are you serious? And this goes on for another minute or so, Scott. She just can't get her composure back after seeing this rank hypocrisy. And as she'll say later on, she actually thinks highly of Izzy Cook. I don't think this was intended to be a hostile interview, but all she did is ask her a simple question. And uh, but, but that's how it is. It's not just with these 16-year-old climate activists. You got John Kerry saying he has to travel by private jet uh, because his work of saving the planet is so critical. And it's just on and on and on. The, the celebrities, Leonardo DiCaprio. Caprio, private planes and all all this stuff. I remember Al Gore had the biggest energy bill in Tennessee when he still had a footprint there. Uh, so, you know, if it weren't for double standards, as they say, these people would have no standards at all. The, uh, the, the uh, interview, I assumed, was too good to be true. I assumed it was fake. Um, but it, that's not the case. This this is real. This actually happened. It's a real interview. I don't know if the host had inside info, right? The, the way she, she, she sort of presented those questions... Did she know that Izzy was in Fiji recently? Uh, either way, I mean, it still works uh, as a sort of gotcha, uh, un- unintentional or intentional. Uh, there's a story in an Australian paper today where Izzy Cook's mom is very upset with the host for bullying her daughter, saying she should be ashamed for bullying her daughter. Um, and this is this is that they want to have it both ways right you're, you're 16 you're 14 you're 15 you're uh um you know what's her name who's who's uh i don't I can't remember the, the, the climate uh greta thunberg I can't yes yes good um and, and you want to be taken you? seriously you want to be taken seriously you want to um to be speaking at conferences you want people to listen to you you think it's an existential threat and you have to speak out and yet if you're criticized or asked a not even really difficult question it's it's bullying yes. you, you can't have it both way i mean you can try to have it both ways but it makes no sense to say my child can say whatever she wants and be a climate advocate and and be a leader and and get all these people together and tell other people what they can and can't do you can't fly we have to have a list you have to apply to fly but to ask whether or not she's flown somewhere and it happens to be fiji it's unfair it's bullying that's just ridiculous well, that's the affirming culture we're in now, right? Where as long as your opinion is an acceptable one on the left, you have to be celebrated and you can't be asked difficult questions. And if you disagree with them, first of all, you shouldn't get airtime at all. And But if you are given airtime, then every question has to be hostile. I can't recall who wrote about this. It might have been Jim, in fact. I, I don't remember. But not taking these children seriously is is giving them more disrespect than asking questions like this. If you sort of pat them on the head and say, oh, you're trying to do good, even if you're not on the on the level and you've flown all over the place, treating their arguments with respect and treating them seriously gives them the respect they're looking for and the respect that they're after. And so to treat them differently doesn't make a lot of sense either. You think um, schools would be fine if students walked out of class to support the Second Amendment or pro-life, or would that maybe get a different response than transgender rights or the climate or gun control so yeah it was a year or two well, it certainly wasn't a year or two ago because there were no children in school at that point <laughs> sometime in recent history there was an effort by a group a pro-life 
uh, student group somewhere to, to do this same thing. And I, I honestly cannot remember how that ended up, whether or not uh, the school uh, shut them down or allowed them uh, under the same sort of uh, um, you know, auspices of you're protesting something you believe in. So it's OK if you miss school. I, I do not remember. But it has been attempted. I do know that. Scott, you know what would have been good uh, since you grew up in the Midwest. I did, too. And it's you know still kind of cold in, in early April. You could have come up with a climate reason to protest on opening day for the White Sox. And then that way, you know, you got your easy get out of school free card at that point. <laughs> we, we you know, I would have been the Cubs, I, yeah, but, you know, we, we missed the boat on that. that. We have a fever. You know, it's baseball <laughs> fever. That's the excuse. That's right. Okay, on to our final martini now, and it's a bad one, but it's certainly got a lot of layers of crazy to it as well. Uh, Joe Biden is no stranger to the verbal flub, to the verbal spacing out, to the malapropism, and it's nothing new. Uh, Perhaps his most famous one, at least before he became president, was when he was running for vice president during the uh, 2008 presidential campaign, and he was... uh, giving a speech and decided to, you know, give a shout out to the local officials who he had obviously not met before. And this is how it went. Chuck Graham, state senator's here. Chuck, stand up, Chuck. Let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. Chuck used a wheelchair in case you uh, don't remember or hadn't figured it out. By the way, Biden tried to uh, correct himself there. But, of course, uh, Biden, uh, compared to 2008, has definitely lost his uh, verbal fastball. Today he was giving comments on a White House summit on hunger and was once again giving shout-outs to various lawmakers uh, from the House and Senate, bipartisan, as he said. And here's how it went. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was was going to be here. Now, the odds-on favorite is that he's referring to Indiana Congresswoman Jackie Walorski. And the reason she's not there, Scott, is that she's no longer alive. She unfortunately passed away in a tragic auto accident while driving through her district back in August. And so... When that clip circulated, you and I were discussing on email, are we sure he's referring to Jackie Walorski? Uh, and you did some more digging, and it said a video tribute honoring the late Representative Walorski will play during the White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health today. She was a major advocate for the effort and among a handful of Republicans who stuck behind it. Someone else said that uh, she's the co-chair of the House Hunger Caucus, so we're pretty sure that that's who he meant. Jim, the White House even issued a statement when she passed away. I'm you know, with most statements, the president's not directly involved in it. But the fact that he can't remember that she's no longer with us at all, much less in the room, it's cringeworthy, but it's also kind of disturbing. It's troubling. We, we talked uh, before we started. Is this uh, is this the bad one? Is it a funny one? Is it, how, how do we handle uh, it's bad, right? It's bad because we see we see incidences uh, often where the president uh, appears. His mental acuity is not what it was. You can tell the difference. I mean, it's 14 years, I guess, from 2008, the first clip we played to the second clip we, we played. It's a different person altogether. It sounds like a different person altogether. And he's still president for two more years at the very least. And it's better for all of us to have a president who is able to react in times of of strife in times of, of danger and uh, the more we see him speak the more we see him act there was the the video a couple of days ago where he wasn't sure where to go and just sort of standing on stage and 
uh, like John Travolta and Pulp Fiction. And, um, it, I, you know, as much as I disagree with the president and his policies and all of that, um, it's, it's not good for the country to have our leader look and appear so weak and feeble and absent-minded. And that's why I think it's, it's certainly more bad than anything else. No, I think you're right about that. And the president should know, obviously, if a member of Congress has died, especially one directly connected to the cause that he's talking about that day. Right. It's also on his staff, though. I mean, I don't unless he did that off the hip and, and, and was deviating from his remarks, which he is known to do, I'm sure, much to the high blood pressure reaction of his staff. Um, <laughs> you know, there should be a reference to it in the remarks. Uh, so if, if he did it on the fly, it's totally on him. If somehow that got put in the remarks and without a reference to the fact that she had passed away, at least some of that belongs on the staff, too. Yeah. And, you know, she was one of the people who put the was putting this conference together. So it also calls into question, you know, how closely the White House was involved in the entire effort. Uh, you would know, theoretically, if you're the president and you're involved in this nutrition, hunger and health uh, effort conference outreach. If one of the four people you've been working with most directly to, to plan this and to pull it off is you know, no longer there. So it's just it's just very odd. And as I said, I, I think more bad than anything else. Agreed. And the fact that they had a video tribute uh, planned for her means somebody there knows what happened and actually remembers it. And so uh, one hand, not knowing what the other is doing. There's a lot of talk about how, you know, White House staffs now are made up of a lot of really young people still trying to figure out how Washington is working and so forth. And so I I don't know exactly how it happened. But the president not remembering that a key figure on this issue uh, has passed away, uh, not good. Uh, A lot of people are going to snicker over that. But uh, again, like you said, this guy's still president for the next two years. Scott? uh, Now we have to figure out how the White House is going to walk it back in some way. That's (laughs) the next question. Yes. They'll claim it was a different Jackie, probably. Maybe there's another Jackie who, who supported it and They'll, they'll try to claim that. But uh, yeah, in any event, Corinne Jean-Pierre will flip to a page in her binder and either give us a non sequitur or <laughs> explain something. So I don't know. Do you walk page around with a giant Biden malaprop? The, <laughs> the biggest section. That's the biggest tab. Yeah. <laughs> Just flip the whole thing over. Uh, cleaning up the president's remarks. I'm sure as Jen Psaki watches this from her new office at NBC, she's not regretting <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Somebody else has to clean up this stuff. So, uh, Scott, always great to have you with us. Thanks for uh, being here, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Scott Bertram is general manager of WRFH, Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM on the campus of Hillsdale College, where he is also a lecturer in journalism. He is also the host of the Radio Free Hillsdale Hour podcast, which you can find on Ricochet. And he's also the host of the Political Beats podcast, uh, which if you are into music and politics, uh, you definitely need to check out. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, Also, thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Also, remember to get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us all on Twitter. Uh, There's Jim Garrity, of course, at Jim Garrity. Scott is at Scott Bertram with one T, S-C-O-T-B-E-R-T-R-A-M, or at least not two T's together. I'm Greg Garabas, and that's uh, at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. 
Like there was this premise and it was, I think in, in some ways correct, especially during the second wave of the feminist movement that there needed to be correctives. But that was predicated on this idea that there were essential sort of sex differences. And, and now we're actually even, I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.